We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Champions Radio, Season 4, Episode 4, New Wireless Goodness, or Delightfulness, or Tastiness, although do not chew on your APs or WLCs because that is a bad idea. Today we have Christian Radu Canoe. Christian, want to give a quick introduction? Who are you? What do you do? Sure. So um, my name is Christian Rizucanu. I'm a product manager in the wireless group. I handled some of our access points and also one of our controllers. And today I'm your host to talk about some of the good news we have for what we call small to medium deployments and or small to medium customers. Awesome. Lee, would you like to give a quick intro? Who are you? What do you do? Sure, and hopefully that ambulance doesn't come back because I'm parked or I'm sitting right next to a bunch of them. Um, I am the campus wireless network architect for Syracuse University. Uh, We have a very, very large uh, Cisco wireless environment, and I've been in the game for more years than I care to admit, and uh, happy to be here today in the mix. Awesome. Roel, how about you? What do you do? Who are you? What's the (laughs) meaning of life? The meaning of life? Oh, that's a loaded question you have to give me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, My name is Roel. And I am a network engineer in education. Also have a pretty big wireless network, but looking forward to hearing what's coming out. Awesome. This is going to be a very educational call. Okay. Uh, sorry, guys. We'll see about that. <laughs> uh, Christian, what? Give us a high-level intro. What's What's new? What's exciting? What's going on in life? Sure. So, what's going on in my professional life? Um, So recently we've been um, fairly focused on wireless or in wireless group on what we call small to medium deployments and particularly how are these being handled if um, they say the organization deploying them, it's also small to medium. And we kind of rotated a lot of times and look at a lot of different options and uh, we kind of ended up with the goal that we need to tweak some of our products. And we also introduced some of the new, uh, some new products to better address the needs of those organizations. And when we say the needs of those organizations, what are they? From a wireless perspective, they're very similar with what a large university like Syracuse actually needs. Uh, basically, they need to handle a lot more devices than what was there like a couple of years ago. They need to handle a lot more traffic, i.e. these devices, they tend to be especially the user devices tend to be using a lot more video, which by definition requires more bandwidth. And to do all of that, while the user experience, the device experience, it's actually going up and up and up, meaning it's improved from one year to the next. The twist with the small organizations is they need to achieve all of that while they 
either don't have an IT department or if they have one, it's relatively slim, tiny. The wireless expertise or networking expertise overall, uh, it may be limited. So we kind of combined all of that and we said, okay, let's talk about and let's focus on the products we have, what we need to do to improve them, and what are the products that we need to add so that we address those needs. So what we're talking about today are basically two wireless controllers and two series of access points. So let me start on the wireless controller side. We have two of them that we wanted to talk to, about today. One is called Mobility Express, and we introduced this controller uh, roughly a year and a half ago. And what exactly is it? It's a wireless LAN controller, an Aeronet wireless LAN controller that runs on the access point. Basically, you don't need a separate appliance, a separate hardware, whether that's physical or virtual, to run the control function, to run the controller software. It can use the same access point that you use for wireless coverage. But was it, what's new about it? Again, we launched it a year and a half ago, so what it is that we improved? First, the most important thing, we increase scale. And by scale, we talk about how many access points can Mobility Express support and how many clients. So we raise those scale numbers to up to 100 access points and up to 2,000 clients. Right now, as we speak, I'm connected to this WebEx session on our um, network in Building 24 in San Jose on Mobility Express with 100 access points. And right now, there are around 850 clients connected live on this network. I'm just staring at the dashboard. So that's one controller. Control running on the access point, we increased the scale. And not only that, we added a lot of new features with uh, this controller. Apple features, i.e. Fastlane, uh, Adaptive 11R, also things like rogue detection or control for application visibility or lobby ambassador, and the list goes on and on and on. So that's one. Go, go ahead. Is that 100 AP in a group and 2,000 client limit per group only for the 2,800 and 3,800? or does that scale back as well to the 1832s and 1852s? Great question. So that scale limit is actually directly correlated with the hardware, as in what kind of um, AP you're using, because it has a lot of uh, like CPU utilization, memory utilization, and whatnot. So the 100 number, the 100 APs number, you're right, it's for 28 and 3800. When you go with lower end access points, and by lower end meaning um, let's say less capable CPU, less memory, and things like that, the scale goes down to 50, 50 access points and 1,000 clients. I have a question for you as well, Christian. Go ahead. Um, actually, a couple not being all that familiar with the ME yet. Um, so if I have several ME sites or several yep. ME instances, is there a way to uh, centrally manage those? Yes. So Mobility Express is, again, a wireless LAN controller. And from um, a management perspective, our management solution right now is prime infrastructure. And the way prime infrastructure sees these um, controllers is basically another wireless LAN controller. Okay. And then um, given that you're saying a whole bunch of features were just added, yep. that tells me that perhaps there isn't feature parity with the standalone controllers. So does the data sheet um, cover the delta pretty good when you go to research it? So 
The short answer is it depends, and I know you don't like this answer. So let me kind of explain or put some additional context there. The way Mobility Express works uh, in order to scale, it cannot centralize the data plane as in you know, all the data traffic to go to the controller and from there to, um, to go upstream. The data is locally switched always, meaning each access point out of those 100 will handle its own data plane. Uh, and that's very similar for those of you who are familiar with uh, Cisco architecture with what we call flex connect mode with local switching. So if you put that hat and you think of flex connect lo local mode, that's feature parity. Now, there are, uh, I would say, some corner case uh, features, some, uh, let's say, very niche features that may not be uh, present in Mobility Express, but they are supported in what we call local mode or central mode, where all the data comes back to the controller. Did I answer your question? Yep, good enough. Okay. Thank you. Was there another question before I move to the next controller? Cool. I'll take it as a no. So, again, I wanted to repeat that we're, I wanted to cover two controllers and two access points. Mobility Express is one controller, and we have you know, a lot of exciting news, a lot of new things that are coming on. The other controller that um, we're kind of introducing to the market right now, it's a controller called 3504, 3504. And again, for those of you who are familiar with Cisco portfolio, it shouldn't be a shock that we name a controller 3504 because we have an older one called 2504. So what's, is, what's this new controller? It's basically an appliance-based, a small hardware, small as in, as in relative to other controllers, that can handle up to 150 access points in all possible modes, local or central or FlexConnect or Office Extend or anything that we support in, um, in our internet architecture, and up to 3,000 clients. We're also introducing um, see, hardware features like MGIG support so that when you connect that controller, to a switch, you either you know lag um, one, two, three, or maybe even four gigi ports, or you use an MGIG port to reach up to a four gigabit of throughput. If you may have noticed, I mentioned three gigi ports, one MGIG port. Two of those uh, gigi ports are also PoE out, so for like a very small deployment or like a lab setup, those two PoE out ports can power access points as well. Now. Now, why we introduce this new controller? We're basically saying for a small deployment, a branch deployment, our recommendation is to go with Mobility Express. Now, once you go with a higher scale or a larger scale uh, branch or like a small campus, this is where dedicated hardware come into play so that the network can you know, handle the traffic and clients. And the first kind of step there is this new 3504 controller. From a controller perspective, 3504 supports the exact same feature set that, is, um, that we support on our larger scale controllers like 5520 and 8540. More than that, the licenses or the licensing scheme is identical to 5520 and 8540. What do we mean by that? Any license that is can be used on 5520 and 8540, can also be used on 3504. So what we wanted to do with our appliance-based controller is to have 
commonalities to have you know, the same feature set across all of them, all the appliance-based controllers. The only difference being scale. Scale is in number of access points. Scale is in number of clients supported. And another thing about 3504, it's one of those you know, smaller features, but uh, it turns out it's one of my favorite features, actually. And we call it smart fan. What do we mean by that? 3504 for like a regular mode of operation is fanless. Why does it matter? We've seen a lot of instances where such a controller is not placed in like a wiring closet in a rack and all of that. It may be placed in some sort of a cabinet or on a desk or um, in a branch. We've seen a lot of different say, deployment options. In those options, having a fan like humming around, it's for the most part kind of annoying. And we heard that feedback while being minor. It was important enough for us to look at that. So we said, let's put a fan there. We also put heat sinks. So the way smart fan works, if the temperature, the ambient and temperature is lower than 30 degrees Celsius, and the controller is kind of functioning um, in a normal parameter, as in it's not like 100% CPU utilization or uh, loaded up with clients and traffic, then the fan is quiet, is actually off. So we have a bunch of these controllers deployed in several of our labs, and I have yet to hear the fan turning on on 3504. So once the, the temperature goes above 30 Celsius, and again, it's an and, and the controller started to be heavily used with traffic and clients and APs and whatnot, then you may hear the fan turning on initially with some lower RPM and then going higher, higher, depending on uh, how hot um, the insides are. So again, just to recap, the second controller we're talking about today is a controller named 3504. It's an appliance-based controller supports up to 150 access points in all different modes that we support in our Aeronet architecture and up to 3,000 clients. It also has an M-Gig port for uplink connectivity up to 4 gigs, hence the 4 at the end of 3504. But if M-Gig is not an option, then we also have 4 gigi ports to achieve the same thing. I'm going to pause here and see if there are any questions. It looks like there's a lot of overlap between a Mobility Express and the 3504. So someone who's coming in and trying to decide which model they should go with, if they go with the Mobility Express, is it going to be easy for them to upgrade to the 3504 and add the existing APs to that controller if they need to? Sure. So actually, again, the Mobility Express is an Aeronet controller as well. So. Uh, there is an option to export a config, and you can import that config into 3504. There is a tool to do just that, uh, and you can keep the same configuration. If you want to move from, uh, let's say, the flex mode that is being used in the Mobility Express to a local mode, meaning having all the traffic centralized, there are a few tweaks that you need to do on 3504, but again, that will be a change. If you want to keep the same uh, feature set, the same kind of settings in terms of mode and whatnot, the changes are minimal. Uh, the configuration will it express, it will be the same configuration, minor tweaks here and there for 3504 as well. So it's a simple um, transition. The other point I wanted to make, we added a feature of Mobility Express to handle this exact point. So even in the user interface, let's say you have 90 access points, but I want to increase my scale. I want to, um, let's say, add 50 more 
to, to handle a new building. But instead of uh, adding a new mobility express cluster, I want to use 3504. So we have one feature in Mobility Express that will do just that. It will convert, quote unquote convert, all those 90 access points into what we call like CapCap or regular lightweight access points, and it will point them to join a 3504 controller. So they will just join them. It's one click. I call that you know, point of no return or a suicide click. Once you click it, those APs will try to join that controller. So you said point of no return. They can't go back. They can't convert them back to Mobility Express? You, you can, but okay. you need to kind of restart the day zero and configure them again to be Mobility Express. Gotcha. Any other questions on 3504? Because otherwise I'm going to start talking about access points and I'm going to go on and on and on. Uh, I got one more question. Sure. If someone's going to go from 3504 to the next model, <clears throat> it's a pretty big jump to go from the next controller. Is you mean in terms of scale? Me a, yeah, to scale that from 3504, you said there's a limitation of 3,000 clients on that controller? Correct. Is there going to be any plan to maybe, is that just like a physical limitation of the actual controller to limit it to 3,000? Or can I go higher, or does somebody have to jump to the next controller model? Because it seems like it's a big jump to go to the next. It, it is a big jump uh, if you just look at the numbers and stare at the data sheets. Now, where are those numbers coming from? So we, these are not our first controllers. We have controllers for uh, around the last 10 years plus. Our highest, um, let's say, runner in terms of controller ever is 5508. That controller is still around, we're still selling them, and it's going strong. And we looked at 5508 very closely, as in who's buying that, how many P's are typically connected to 5508, and what's kind of the typical deployment. And it turns out there are like multiple typical, so to speak. One of them is actually on the lower end side, as in a lot of deployments, they have 12, 50, 100 access points. On 5508, again, which is our highest runner controller historically, only a small number they were going with over 250, 500 uh, APs, uh, or they were asking to add more. So our strategy was let's address the lower end twofold, one with Mobility Express and one with 3504 to handle a higher um, limit. 150. That limit right now is uh, fixed. That's what we have tested thoroughly, and we know it's working very well. Can we increase that in the future? Potentially, yes. But right now, this is the number that we're going for, knowing that these are working great and has been testing thoroughly, and they can be supported with no uh, second thoughts. Now, moving from 3504 to 5520, there is a jump, but we see 5520 being deployed in uh, campuses from, let's say, small to medium up to larger campuses. And that's typically the, um, let's say, the primary controller being considered for any kind of campus. Whether it starts with a lower number of access points, 100, 200, but they, there is also room or always room to go to like a thousand or even more access points up to 1500. 
So in a nutshell, we will 3504, we looked at what are the typical numbers that were deployed with our 5508 controller, and we wanted to address that. For larger numbers, like over 25500, there was always a question on, I want to add more APs, how do I do that? For those cases, we recommend 5520. I know it's a longer answer, but I hope I answered your question. No, that's good. A uh, quick one for you, Christian, hopefully yeah. quick. And if it's too big to talk about here, um, that's okay as well. The virtual controller is also yes. a Flex Connect instance, isn't it? So if Correct. that's the case, how, how does that differ between the ME strategy and are they interchangeable? Uh, in theory, yes. We see the virtual controller in our, let's say, formal positioning and recommended positioning for virtual controller is, again, campuses. And if you want to deploy in branches, do that with a controller sitting in a data center or uh, later on in a couple of months in uh, AWS or some other cloud options. So with virtual controller, there is an overlap with Mobility Express, but I see the biggest difference even in terms of positioning and recommendation is Mobility Express, that's an on-site controller. Everything is handled there. You have site autonomy independence. You don't need to you know, go elsewhere for um, RRM or typical uh, control functions for wireless. Virtual controller can be used in branches, and it is recommended when you think about the central controller that can handle multiple branches. One thing that you may have noticed um, in the past several months that we started to increase the scale of virtual controller, and for this exact reason, so that we can handle multiple branches. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And let's talk about access points. So with access points, uh, as I mentioned initially, when we look at you know, small, medium deployments um, or small to medium customers, one of the things that you know, came back on and on and on was um, price. A lot of these customers, and they're looking for, uh, let's say, a good enough wireless solution, good enough as in it's still uh, enterprise grade, it still needs to function, it's be reliable, resilient, and all of that. But some of the same more advanced features may not be used or may not be needed or they may not um, uh, they say be perceived as valuable for a very small deployment. So we kind of look at, took a hard look and say, what it is that we need to do from an access point perspective to address those needs? And it turned out uh, that we need to have cheaper access points. And by cheaper access points, meaning lower end, do the trick, be resilient, be enterprise grade, but don't break the bank, basically. And we had in the past some 11N products, 700 series, a prime example there, on an indoor side. And we decided with Wave 2 to kind of respin that. So I mentioned initially that I'm going to talk about two series of access points. One of them is an indoor series, and we call that 1815, 1815. And within that, we're kind of going forward with four different models. I say again, four different models. A couple of them are very use case specific. They are built for specific use cases, even from a hardware perspective. And two others are um, somewhat generic, um, again, with some tweaks to be more appealing for uh, specific customers. So let's start from the top. The first one that we uh, started to, to offer in January and we started to ship that in February, it's called 1815i 
I coming from infrastructure or internal antennas. And that one is 11AC wave two access point, a two by two with two spacious streams, supporting both single user and multi-user MIMO. Basically the definition of wave two would be multi-user MIMO. And from like a form factor, you know, price, pretty much everything is small. And it's optimized to be uh, small. And that is basically designed to um, go after what we call volume play, as in customers with uh, less than 500 employees or so, and in, within that, smaller deployments, multimedia deployments, where there isn't an appetite necessarily to spend a lot of money on an access point, but there is an appetite to have an enterprise-grade wireless. So that was one. The second access point is what we call 1815M. And M coming from like maximal power. And when we say power here, we talk about transmit power for the radios. And this was designed with uh, some specific markets in mind. And when we say markets, we mean uh, countries in Asia Pacific or in EMEA region, some emerging um, economies. And one of the key asks there was coverage. As in, maybe in US, maybe in Western Europe, a lot of customers, a lot of partners they are going for to support like higher number of devices, higher number of clients, um, higher throughput and whatnot. In some other areas of the world, the device density, it's actually uh, smaller. And in those cases, what they would likely want to see is higher coverage, larger coverage. I want to use one AP to cover all my the entire store. I don't have that many uh, wireless devices. I don't expect to have that many wireless devices. I just need coverage. So we built one variant for that so that you can blast maximum allowed power per the different local regulations. So that was the second one. The third one is what we call 1815T. T standing from or coming from teleworker. And it's one of those like specifically designed both hardware and software for teleworkers or even micro branches. And it is designed as like a nice-looking small EP to sit on a desk. So think of all those rubber feet with everything that you see for, uh, from a consumer device, nicely-looking, sleek, sit on a desk. It also has three uh, Ethernet ports, one of them with PoE out, so that as a teleworker, if you, wanna, if you want to connect an IP phone and power the IP phone from the access point, you have that option as well. So that was the third one. The fourth one is 1815W, with W coming from Wallplate. And this is our third iteration of our Wallplate APs. We started with um, 11N. We had already 11AC Wave 2 called 1810. But one of the biggest, um, let's say, needs or the biggest asks from a Wallplate access point is form factor, a, I, the form, the AP itself needs to be smaller. And the wallplate APs are designed for basically a use case for multi-dwelling units. Think of hotels, think of dorm rooms, where you need to have an AP either in every room or every other room, depending what kind of constructions you have. The good news about this product is not only provides wireless, it's an AP, but it also has three Ethernet ports for wire connectivity, 
one of those three, again, with PoE out, you can power an, uh, an IP camera or an IP phone. So to recap, on indoor side, we have four variants, 1815, all of them, and um, the different letters kind of put in some description. I'm going to pause here before we move to outdoor. Any yeah, questions? I have a question. Yep, I have a question, Christian. On the yeah. 1815T, is there anything that prevents it from being used the same way that you might use the 1815W? Uh, I, actually, it is. So um, I'm going to give you a kind of a longer answer, starting with 1815W. 1815W can be used in any mode, including Office Extend mode. So that's kind of configurable and can define it from the controller. There is no um, limitation there. You just go on the controller and um, select the mode that you want that AP to function. For 1815T, we locked that in Office Extend mode, so you cannot use another mode. Why is that? You may ask, uh, you may ask yourself, why, why do you do that? So there are, uh, or there were a few <clears throat> scenarios where the user either needed to hard reset that or from a troubleshooting perspective, if you don't lock that in, if you reset the AP, it will come back in um, typically in local mode. And if that AP is say, deployed in a teleworker's um, house, in order to get that to be connected to a controller which sits on the corporate side, it's a little bit of configuration work, not exactly straightforward for like a lame person. So we decided to go with the same approach that we had in the past with OEP 600, OEP 1810, and lock that AP. So that even if you do a hard reset, it will come back as a teleworker. Okay, and then on the I and the M, they are strictly Mobility Express, right? Uh, actually, no. So they can be using Mobility Express, but we sell them in both kind of configuration. You can buy them in Mobility Express, as in we have the Mobility Express image loaded from the factory, or you can buy them as CapWap or Lightweight APs, and they can connect to any controller, including Mobility Express. So 3504, you can use that with 1815i or 1815M, or both of them. Are those all clean air capable? Great question. So when we talk about clean air, I wanted to clarify, clean air is a Cisco um, brand term for our, let's say, spectrum intelligence hardware assisted. It's kind of a long uh, explanation there. We do have, in some of our APs, a dedicated chipset for uh, interference detection, classification, and eventually mitigation. That chipset is only present in our higher-end access points. For 1815, all variants, what we're working on is to enable software spectrum intelligence, and that's going to be done probably in the next few months, I would say four or five months. But it's not so going to be just, cleaner. That's just using the existing radios there and just going off-channel? Uh, correct. Okay. With the 1815Ts, uh, so actually having an OE, uh, a real live OEAP back in back in play like we do with the, the 600. Yep. Are we going to have the ability to map remote lands again? So yes. You know, for example, you know, for example, I have a POE out. I give my send my teleworker a phone, a hard phone, and the phone, and they plug in, and it just tunnels back, but doesn't run through that same WLAN config. It just 
it gets pushed out into a pro its own proper VLAN? Yes, so you, there is that option. Actually, that's uh, one of the main um, features with OAP or the teleworker. You have the ability to define remote LANs, our LANs on the controller, and you can map them um, either all ports to one or individual ports to specific our LANs. So there is that option as well. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Cool. So I'm just going to close by saying one thing um, related to timelines. So I mentioned 1859 is orderable, it's shipping today. 1815W is orderable, and most likely we're going to start shipping that beginning of May. The 1815T and 1815M, uh, they are just following up after the W, meaning probably May, end of May, beginning of June, they will be orderable and also shipping. And with that, let's kind of transition to outdoor access points, which is the fourth item that we want to cover today. So again, the same thing that we did with indoor access point, we kind of took a hard look at an outdoor portfolio and say, do we have what we needed uh, to address those needs with outdoor? And the answer was actually no. So with outdoor, Kind of more so than what we did with the indoor, we are launching a new product and we call that 1540. And that's an outdoor wave two access point. Again, two by two with two spatial streams. It's using a chipset from the same family as 1815. So from a feature perspective, they're basically identical. The outdoor comes into what kind of components we use so that they can withstand uh, the environmental factors of being outdoors. So 1540, we're introducing our lowest end, the cheapest outdoor AP that um, we have with a lease price less than $1,000. I'm going to say that again, lease price less than $1,000. With 1540, we're introducing two variants. One of them, the typical uh, integrated antenna, omnidirectional, it's not exactly 360, but uh, is kind of covers a lot of ground in most directions. We're also adding an 1540D, D coming from directional antenna, where we basically have still integrated antenna, but reducing the angle of coverage. So it offers a little bit of directionality. And obviously, if we reduce um, the angle, we can go farther out increasing the coverage area in one direction. Forget the exact angle, uh, but it's significantly reduced versus the I version. And being an outdoor AP, it comes with the typical um, temperature range, humidity. It's IP65 rated, so it can be deployed outdoors in a typical environment. Also, very important for outdoor, our typical outdoor products are they say robust, they are substantial. If you look at them, kind of you see it's a um, quality product just by looking at the size and how heavy it is. With 1540, since we're using system on a chip architecture, um, we went above and beyond to make sure that the access point is small, is lighter, and I'll tell you one thing, I can actually lift that up with one hand. It's uh, 1.25 kilos, and I can even mount it. With other outdoor APs, basically you need two hands, 
and you need to someone to kind of hold the ladder and make sure you don't fall and you don't drop the EP uh, on, on anything. 1540. But can you juggle it? You can juggle <laughs> it. It's again 1.25 kilos. You need a little bit of strength, but you you can juggle it. I'd really like to hear some of the 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 RF technical differences between the 1500 and and more the 20 the 2838 sort of series. Um, I know that 28 and 38 have obviously they've got dedicated uh, clean air radios. Yeah. Um, they also have um, significant amounts of RF filtering in them. I'm interested to understand the architecture of the 1500 and how how these are different. Are they more of a software based AP? I mean. Customers are always going to ask. There, there's got to be some kind of a give. Like, what's the difference from an RF performance perspective? Sure. So, uh, 1540 is an outdoor AP, the equivalent of, um, let's say, a higher end outdoor AP would be either 1560 in Wave 2 or 1570 Wave 1. So, let's compare with the 1560. 1560 is a 3x3 three three with three spatial streams while 1540 is a 2x2 two two with two spatial streams. So just looking at the numbers, you'll see that there is you know, something less. What do they mean eventually? Especially when you talk about Wave 2, when multi-user MIMO can be used, that number of antennas and number of spatial streams, it will dictate how many, uh, what kind of client can connect with, uh, what kind of maximum bandwidth, as in if I have a three spatial stream client, I can connect full bandwidth to that AP, if that AP is also three, three spatial streams. Uh, but if I only have a one spatial stream client or two spatial stream client, it's hardly any difference in a single user um, connectivity, as in 11AC Wave 1 or 11, 11N. Now, if we move to multi-user MIMO, the number of spatials in the number of antennas will detect how many clients can be connected simultaneously in a downlink scenario to that AP. For example, 1560, it supports three spatial streams. In a multi-user MIMO scenario, that three spatial streams can mean three single stream client smartphones are typically single stream client. So you can have three of them connected simultaneously in a downlink so that AP can push data to all of them in parallel. Or the other scenario is you have one, two spatial stream client, think of a tablet, and another smartphone. So you have two devices, one with two streams, one of single stream, both of them connected in parallel. That's kind of the advantage when you have three spatial streams. When you move to two spatial streams, the only scenario for multi-user MIMO is to have two single stream client, clients connected in parallel. So that's kind of going into the nitty-gritty details. Now, you mentioned 28 and 3800. And from a multi-user MIMO perspective, uh, it's the same approach. But those APs, they also have something extra, not just the cleaner, not just the extra spatial stream. One of the radios inside that AP is what we call uh, an XOR radio. We use the term of flexible radio assignment. What does it mean? A typical access point has two radios. Th these two radios are you know, one locked on the 2.4 GHz band, the other one locked on a 5 GHz band. With our 28 and 3800, what we did, we 
kept the 5 GHz band radio locked, so that radio can serve clients on a 5 GHz band. But the other radio is an XOR radio, which means that it can be a 2.4 GHz, which is a default mode. That's a typical access point that you can buy. Or it can be a 5 GHz radio, as in it can serve clients, so you'll have an EP with 2 GHz radios in the same enclosure. Or the same radio can work can function in the monitor mode, so we can scan spectrum on both bands. And in the future, it can also become a sensor, so it can uh, you know, connect back to the network and start all, all sorts of tests and see how the network is performing. Now, why is this relevant? Typically, let's talk about the 5 GHz radio, whether you need one or two. In a typical high-density environment, and by high-density, Think of um, auditoriums. Think of uh, you know large meeting rooms where you have a lot of clients in the same area. Most of these clients are nowadays five gigahertz clients. We actually seen data from large events where we see the mix of five gigahertz clients north of 80, 85 percent which means that, let's say, if you take 100 random devices, there is a strong likelihood that 85 of them will work on a 5 GHz radio and only 15 on 2.4. Also, we need to keep in mind that 2.4 physics, it covers more ground, it covers a larger area, typically 4x area, than the 5 GHz radio. What does all of that mean at the end of the day? If you have a radio or band-locked radios, typically you're oversubscribed on 2.4 and potentially undersubscribed on 5 GHz. So what we did with 28 and 1300, we kind of took it a step further and introduced this XOR flexible radio assignment architecture so that we introduced the smarts of changing that radio depending on uh, either user preferences. I want, uh, as a network admin, to define statically what that radio needs to be, or leave it up to the system in our um, RRM algorithm, radio resource management algorithm, for the network to decide what's the best use for that radio in my network. So these are, I would say, the main differences between let's say, our lower end access point, like 1540 or 1815, and the higher end ones. To recap, number of antennas transmit receive, number of spatial streams, you mentioned clean air, but also now with wave two, this flexible radio assignment. Uh, Christian, kind of an oddball yes. question, but somebody yes. just asked me, <clears throat> is there anything in the 1500 series that lets them act as wireless bridges, not, not so much mesh, but like a dedicated point-to-point -point bridge? So th that's a great question. It's actually top of mind for us. Uh, so right now with Wave 2, we don't have yet a product that can work in um, a bridging scenario as in point-to-point -point or worker bridge mode, and we're actively working on that. Uh, it's going to be probably a few months until we have a product in the Wave 2 portfolio that will, uh, will be capable of doing that. Right now, what we have from a bridging perspective, outdoor-wise, we have the 1570, which is our flagship outdoor, 
And on indoor side, any 11EC Wave 1 uh, indoor access point can also work um, as a worker bridge. But we're actively working on that to have Wave 2 access points also um, working in, in a bridging mode. It's a software development, so there is no hardware change. On our campus, aesthetics is like one of the most important things here. It's, I'd say it's a crutch and I guess makes buildings look nice, but as far as the, the way these outdoor access points look, has, has any aesthetics gone into the design? Because if you compare it to, say, a Meraki access point, people tend to, on our campus, tend to like how those look versus over the functionality of the actual access point. So I was wondering if there would be any kind of marrying between the two where one can get kind of the good looks and also the, the <laughs> awesome radios in it. <laughs> the, the brains and the looks. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So um, there is also a little bit of internal competition as well. So, and we do you know, learn, still borrow from other internal BUs. But to answer your question directly, yes, we did work with the industrial design experts on 1540 as well. And that's why this product, the whole thing, it's significantly smaller. Uh, it's built to be unobtrusive. So it's wireless access points. While I'm a product manager and I love my products, they're my, like my babies, I love my babies. Typically, most people, they don't want to see them. They need to kind of blend in. So 1540, to your point, it is significantly smaller than any other outdoor access point we have or ever had. Uh, and from a coloring perspective, we're kind of looking at what's a neutral color. This is why we're using this grayish kind of nuance. What's the most neutral color so when you put it on a pole or anything like that, you don't see it unless you know someone points it out to you. So yes, we did work with industrial um, design experts to make sure that we go with, let's say, the least obtrusive outdoor access point we can build. Okay. I thought there was another question earlier. Yeah, I was going to say with the 1540s, it looks like they are um, hardwired RJ45, you know, back to the, the cost um, being down there. So does that mean that it's only one of the 1560 models that are currently uh, fiber capable with the GBIC, or is there something else that maybe I don't know about that perhaps other people don't know about too for uh, fiber connectivity on an AP? 1560 for sure, and I want to say 1570 as well. Um, I have to double check on 1570. I'm fairly certain that both of them uh, have fiber connectivity as well. But from 1540 perspective, you're right, only RJ45. Okay, so let, let me recap what um, we're trying to cover today. So again, this is in focusing on smaller to medium deployments, either from a large customer or from uh, small to medium customers. And we kind of double down on some of our existing products or introducing new products. So we're covering two controllers, Mobility Express, which is basically a virtual controller running on an access point. We're introducing an appliance, a physical appliance-based controller that's 3504. And one thing I forgot to mention on 3504, this will start uh, shipping summertime, or say in June, July. That's um, the target right now. And the other two products that we're covering are 1815 series on the indoor side with four variants, 
and on outdoor side, 1540 with two variants. So I had thought that, so, and you know, we've been talking about the announcements we did for earlier. I thought yep. most of these were FCS this month, uh, April 2017. Yes, and uh, actually most of them will be. Uh, I, I think we're targeting end of April, and I think I said May for 1815, just to give myself a buffer, but we're still targeting April for most of them, yes. Okay. The 3504 was the notable exception, which was summertime. Mm. Well, unless people have more exciting questions, I was going to say we could wrap up. No, that's a lot of good information. Awesome. Well, hey, Laura, if you don't mind me, I'm going to close with um, kind of covering again. I'm the PM from Mobility Express. It's my baby. Uh, other my, they're my two daughters. This is the baby <laughs> I love the most. And right now, I'm connected to our alpha network in Building 24. I'm just staring at the dashboard. I'm seeing 100 access points. And in terms of clients, I see 85 clients on 2.4 band and 675 on 5 gigahertz band. And just note, it's lunchtime here, so a lot of people are actually outside the building. It's performing beautifully. I'm, I'm going to bring gonna... a flash mob to your building. <laughs> Do that. It's going to work beautifully. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Christian. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, uh, Raul. Um, <laughs> did I just mess it up again? Rowell. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone else. And y'all can mock me later. And I'll see y'all next week on the next episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.